Thank you for joining Analytics Today, a podcast series that focuses on big data and analytics and the latest trends in the digital world. I'm your co-host, Jeremy Robertson. With me always is Samir Khan. Hey, Samir, how you doing? Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Happy almost Halloween. You know, it's funny. It's like we talk about this every year. It is October, and it seems like the store skipped Halloween and went straight for Christmas. So... <laughs> I walked into the store and I was looking for some Halloween decorations like, oh my gosh, they're gone. And they had all this Christmas stuff. I'm like, eventually they're going to start putting up Christmas stuff in July. And then next it's going to be June. And then it's just going to have a section year round, right? It's just ridiculous. So Yeah, it's very interesting like how <laughs> things are becoming even more commercialized every year. Oh my gosh. Uh, which is in a way good for kids. I mean, you know, they can shop around for Christmas right now. <laughs> Exactly. So today, life last minute. Exactly. So today we're excited again. Um, you know, happy to be back in the podcast. We have a guest today. Um, we have a guest hailing all the way from Germany. And so um, he is actually out of Greater Munich, or they would call Greater München. Um, and so it's Alexander Walden. We'll call him Alex today. So let me see if I have your quick bio. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank um, you. Thanks for having yeah. me. So, Alex, experienced transformation and technology executive with a demonstrated history of working in and selling to the information technology and services industry, transformative IT leader, skilled in cloud, end-user computing, enterprise software, IT strategy and processing, team management, professional services, driving digital transformation, lifelong Learning and innovation is his passion in recent years, predominantly using agile methodologies. This is like, you have like the buzzword of buzzwords bio. I mean, man, you, it's almost thinking, what have you not done in your life, right, Alex? So let's start off with that. Talk about you. Um, before we get into your company, you are the CEO of, and may, let me make sure I get the pronunciation correctly, Viverica. Viverica, correct. Viverica. And, and we'll get into the name and what it means. Well, let's mm -hmm. start off. Actually, you know what? Let's start off quick by saying, what is Viverica and what, what is your role there? And let's start with that first, and then we'll get into some other questions. So Viverica is a company that was once founded as Data Artisans, um, but we go by Viverica now, and we um, go into the reasons maybe a bit later. But it's about data stream processing for the enterprises. The original founders of the company, which is almost 10 years ago, um, were some smart students from a university in Berlin. Mm -hmm. They created this uh, stream processing framework, which fortunately finally seems to be picking up on speed um, in the industry for data processing. So when I went to uni some, I don't know, 20 years ago, we still call it data warehousing, then it became business mm -hmm. intelligence. Now it's the next thing, but I think we'll touch on that. But you touched on the buzzwordiness of that tagline. Yes. I think that I think that's from my LinkedIn yes. profile. I think I used it to get jobs. And um, <laughs> there's a website which, when I went to uni 20 years ago, was introduced to me as bullshitbingo.net. I think it now goes by buzzwordbingo.net. <laughs> get inspiration there, and that's how you generate it. Some parts of it are true. Some of it are less true now because I... I I left it behind, but that's all stuff I've done in my life. I love it. And I think, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, with my current career and, and Samir's and yours, I mean, a lot of these, we have a lot of the same buzzwords. So 
you know, both of us are involved in digital transformation. Both of us are involved also in cloud and transformative IT. So this is going to be an exciting talk today. But before we get into that, I got to ask you about your background. And mm -hmm. what I, we always love to talk about is your journey, right? So we're going to start with, and Alex, this is where you put on your, your, your uh, time machine. Go back to the first terrible job that you used to have. And I always give the example where you... You know, in the U.S., we talk about I was a team leader at McDonald's, right? Or I was working, like for me personally, mine was working in a warehouse. And this warehouse had no forklifts or technologies. It was just heavy boxes that we had to carry up on a ladder. And it was soccer uniforms. So I remember 300 pairs of soccer socks weighs 80 pounds in mm -hmm. a box. And I, I knew that. So I had to carry boxes. You know, Samir had terrible jobs, dude. We've all had terrible jobs. So tell us, what was your first job? And just give us kind of a quick summary of how you got into this, because most people don't start in IT. They start in other really random stuff, like some people work at the Gap. And then they realize this is a, I had a terrible manager who told me everything that I didn't want to do in my career, and I got here. So you're on. Go for it. Yeah, it's 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 pretty spot on. So mine was an internship that my father organized for me uh, at a company named KPMG. Huh? You may know okay. it. Um, and yeah, I was That's fortunate not enough. At all. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing was, I'm a single child, and I think uh, my parents always knew what was best for me before I even knew it. And at some point, we had that sort of saying that I can do whatever it is as long as it is what they want me to do. Yeah. So they've asked me to do this internship at KPMG, which was really insightful because a guy took me into some legal things. I had to work on some legal documents, and it kind of triggered me to decide to study law after finishing high school in 93, so a long, long, long time ago. But not immediately, but a year and a bit later, it, it showed me this whole legal thing wasn't for me because it started changing my personality. And <laughs> nice. I did discover my own little personality, which again took me a bit longer to 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 identify that, that I wasn't the typical German. Um, and I said I'd finished school in 93. I went to Australia in 2001. And that was a good job, even though it sounds funny. I became a scuba diving instructor for a year. Very cool. And that helped me to clear up my mind and actually decide on what I then wanted to do. And then I went back to uni. And then I was motivated. I, I did it successfully. Mm. And I'm a Bachelor of Business, MBA, and Master of IT, all in four and a half years. So yes. your life is not straight for me. And um, I've, I've been in similar situations where people said, like, yeah, you're not getting the job is not a straight CV. Um, now that I'm fortunately in a position where I can hire people, I tend to also look at those which are not super straight because I find yes. them more interesting. They have more stories to tell. Yes. And I'm not super interested in, 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 in straight. It's like, tell me things you've learned because all of the not so happy things. I go, uh, the question was your worst job in life. Yeah. Uh, we learn from failures and then it is what we do with it to turn it into something great or successful. So was there a manager that, that steered you so wrong that you're saying, I, I cannot do this or was that, or is it just, I, just like many, many moments? Cause for me, it was like a bunch of moments where I was like, I, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. 
I mean, he didn't manage me in a way that I have to be like that, but I realized I have a hard time blending in to 99 other people wearing suits and ties and I'll just become number 100. <laughs> yeah. I've noticed yeah. about myself that I'm I'm the guy rather at front mm -hmm. than in, blending in. And if that's your personality, you better not pick a job where you chop potatoes at McDonald's. I mean, okay, they come pre-chopped. So let's uh, pick tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you get promoted to washing salad the next week. Um, that may well, not this be. This is fantastic. Why? Because. <laughs> Because uh, at the end of the podcast, we're actually going to come back and ask you questions about giving advice oh, to okay. young people. You know what I mean? Because what Samir and I do, and I'm sure you do too, is we mentor a lot of younger people trying to come up in their careers and they're, they have all this ambition and all these crazy things. And I, I want to be perfect when I get into my first job. I'm like, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to be very flawed. But that's a good thing as long as you can learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so no, smear. I think it's it's very yeah. interesting, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna say going back to the going back to your response, Alex, and the question that you're asking, kind of cheating a little bit now. Then from the journey going from this first job that you does that doesn't necessarily matches your personality, and you want to go from there to becoming what you are, which is the CEO of the Verica, uh, a company that provides enterprise solution for stream processing and stream analytics. Um, how Tell me more about the main challenges that you're experiencing as a CEO of this company, and how do you mm -hmm. overcome them? What what is your what is your mindset? The learnings that you got from all the experiences. I'd say the basic wisdom and all of that. The grass isn't greener elsewhere, and uh, let me explain what I mean by that. So, I ended up with Averica a year before I was asked to become the managing director. So externally, and I guess for the American market, we use CEO. Internally, I'm joking, I'm the chief entertainment officer. But even in that joke, there's a lot of truth because I, I have to make sure that the people that we have working for us get our vision, understand where we're going to. And coming back to this uh, intro that you read from LinkedIn about transformation, it's, it's a journey. It's... Mm -hmm. A company that was founded almost 10 years ago started off as a small project incubating open source, very altruistic, found out they needed to make money to pay the people's salaries, became a bit bigger, got acquired by a large company, Alibaba Cloud. Um, it's not always easy to understand what it is that you're doing next. And we still have people from four or five years ago thinking yeah, they're working at the old Bavarica. And no disrespect to them, I have to take them on a journey and show them where we're going. And I think my job really right now is, is about being a tour guide. It's not losing the people who are important, taking them on a journey to achieve what we've set out to be as a company. And obviously, that also defines the difficulties that I'm having. Not everyone mm -hmm. wants to. Not everyone gets it. There's 18 different versions of the truth. If I speak to 15 people, it's about repeating it, etc. And and that's oh, stuff okay. I've learned in my not so straight CV by by going all into these different jobs. Hmm. You can run with fun. You can run with fear. You can do whatever management theory you learn at uni. In the end, it's about the people that you need to take along that journey. 
and and any of the transformation I've experienced as a victim or as somebody who's being transformed or now being a transformer myself has been about um, the right people around you, behind you, and around and and everywhere. So, interesting. It, it's a lot of time that it, you it need is. to invest yeah. into people singing your song. It's it's also hiring the right people. You know, it's interesting. Believe in that. So, yeah. Is it? I, I remember. I don't remember a ton of quotes, but there's a few quotes that I actually remember, and one of them was powerful to me. And it was a simplified quote, and it was about management. And there's a guy in the United States. His name is Lee Iacocca. And so, if a lot of people don't remember who he was, he was in in that movie featured in that movie uh, Ford versus Ferrari. If you ever remember that fantastic movie. Yeah. Right? One of the SVPs of uh, Ford, right? Yeah. He was the guy who worked for Henry Ford II. And he was the okay. one who approached Carroll Shelby to ask him to create a race car. And, you know, he has this famous quote about management. And he says that management is the ability to motivate people. That's it. Period. Management is the ability to motivate people. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, a lot of Alex, what you're talking about is like you're you're a motivator, you're you're a storyteller, you're a, you know you're a, a mediator, you're an intermediary. You play so many roles and so many hats as a CEO. The fact that you have that, you know, crazy CV, non-linear trajectory to get from where you were to where you are now, I think from Samir's and I's experience, the best CEOs out there are the ones who come from that, who understand it's not all perfect and you, you have to be everything to everybody. Right. Yeah. I, 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 I don't disagree. Um, but the everything to everyone comes with a small caveat. You still have to be true to yourself so that when you go to bed okay. at nighttime, you don't feel like you have done something wrong and that you still, like that can look in the mirror um you mentioned interesting term managers some of it is also leading and then managing becomes actually the easy part where it's like i want you to do this i want you to do that but leading by example standing there being beaten up maybe once or twice in front of other people also may help them to feel like okay he, he's taking the beating now um and it's Coming back to the grass isn't always greener. So previously, I worked at a large German company, which had a workers' council. Um, now, I work indirectly for an Asian company, where HR is a completely different role culturally. What I'm trying to say is there's always that one area in every company that I've ever worked with, even the American companies, where it's not so easy. And they shouldn't be disillusioned or disgruntled because there's that one kid that you didn't like. It's just life. So um, kind of move on with it, go with the flow, continue the journey and keep mm -hmm. convincing people. Because what I've also learned is if if I couldn't convince some people, then maybe my story wasn't right. So I have okay. to tweak my story, adjust it. And that's also where, especially for us, I mean, you have Averica. I'm one of three German-born people in the company there's another 72 who are international and some work in germany some work in other countries very diverse so the one thing you learn very quickly is there's no common sense from a cultural perspective and yeah we all speak english because it is the one thing that unites us but we all speak a different english 
So you also have to be cautious there how you say things, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's 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 you never go back to what you've learned in school or whatever. Always be open, continue your own journey, um, and then life is interesting. Nice. Well, let, let's okay. So let's yep. do a little t- uh, brain twist here, and Samir, if mm-hmm. you want to go, let's let's talk about some of the product too. Let's talk about the company a little bit. Yeah, I'm very fascinated. Uh, I spend, uh, we spend a lot of time looking at uh, your websites and, and trying to understand uh, from a product standpoint uh, where does their Verica fit with everything that's going on in the database and the cloud space and data storage and capacity, and especially in the streaming area. So I'm going to ask you a two-part question, right? So what are, first, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, you explaining us what are the true benefits of their Verica? Like, why would I go with their Verica versus other uh, real-time data processing providers and cloud services? And then the second part of the question is uh, if you can share some of the very interesting and exciting use cases and customer stories that you have seen at their Verica. Cool. Because um, you mentioned the website. So the website still is written with a developer in focus as a target audience so it's it's very tech heavy like here's a feature don't you get it i think um going forward in in data stream processing and and it's maybe a long-winded answer to your simple question is for us it started off as as an open source framework that we needed to make famous that happened the company got acquired there is certain things happening in the industry with other major players also doing things in Flink, et cetera, et cetera. So we fundamentally now see that uh, enterprise stream processing or event stream processing, or however you want to call it, depending on whether you read Gartner or Forrester, um, is a technology to stay. What we also notice is that not everyone has yet understood what they can do with it. And I think that's where Verica comes into play. Yeah, is a hipster, cool techie may develop something with open source because it's free and just use it. As soon as it becomes enterprisey and has to deliver value in a company and 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 becomes a bit more of a bigger investment, then we've noticed companies looking at at buying support. Mm-hmm. Now that was our last three years, and the next years I, I see more as a make versus buy decision and we want to be in that buy decision so our proposition to to our clients is that we make it easier to implement flink we make it easier to use event stream processing and going forward we'll make it so easy that we probably don't even have to mention apache flink anymore it's about here's an app data in data out and this is what it can do for you before we continue, Jeremy, I want to talk about a revolutionary energy product that I have recently started using. It's called Magic Mind, and my results have been remarkable, so I wanted to share with our listeners. Like many of you, there have been days where I just couldn't find the extra spark of creativity, where my productivity was not to the level that I really wanted, and that's where I discovered Magic Mind. And let me tell you, like it's been, it's been very good compared to the other energy drinks that I've consumed before. It's not your typical energy drink. Like I don't like those sugar-filled, jitter-inducing energy drinks. And I'm not a big fan of caffeine. I don't drink coffee. But Magic Man has become my secret weapon because one of the things that it sets it apart is a unique blend of ingredient. It has a combination of nutrients, adaptogens, and nootropics that work together to support the brain performance and overall well-being. 
And for our listeners, for a limited time, we have a special offer. So you can go to magicmind.com forward slash ATPOD, which is Analytics Today podcast short ATPOD. You can get an incredible 56% discount on your first subscription. And you can have your own supply of Magic Mind delivered to you straight to the door to get that extra boost of energy whenever you need it. Now, if you're not ready to take the subscription challenge, then you can still get 24% off by purchasing using the same code ATPOD. I can't recommend Magic Mind enough. It's a game changer for me, and I believe it will work for you as well. So just go to magicmind.com forward slash ATPOD to use the discount code. Now over to you, Jeremy. I like that. So I'm looking at it, and you have all the key buzzwords there, turnkey solutions, cloud on-prem. Yeah, it's it's so the thing is, so Samir and I's first jaunt into the tech world was at Rackspace. Both of us were old school Rackspace managed servers, open stack. servers, open stack, cloud. That was us. We were we were there since 2008. Um, and so, oh, we so you were wreckers, old school wreckers, yeah. And oh, so, yeah, old yeah. school. <laughs> And and we we were the we were in the marketing department, so we were the ones mm. trying to figure out how to communicate the ease of use. And so you know we we've had our jaunts to you know the IBM and Adobe's of the world, and you know digital transformation and all this other stuff. But this is fascinating stuff. I mean, for me, I know Samir and I we've had that conversations all the time about buy versus build. And I remember going to one of the companies that Samir had represented before in the past about you know buy versus build and i remember going to talk to his company and saying hey um you know don't you guys want to buy our software this software is fantastic and like well no we've been trying to build it ourselves for a long time well how long has that taken you taken us a few years well how much have you invested in well a few million dollars oh okay so what kind of technical debt do you have and they start going down the list of all the technical debt and they're saying well We've gotten so deep in our technical debt, it's going to cost us $2 million to change it to a cloud infrastructure. Oh, okay. So, you, you know what I mean? It's, I, I think it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, in a previous role, I went to a CIO of a bank here in Germany, and we talked about getting rid of his mainframe. Uh-huh. And he said, it's, it's probably easier to start a new bank and wait for the customers to die. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, technical uh, debt is is, is is kind of something that you always want to get rid of but never have time for. No. Um, never. But the thing about Rexpace, yeah. because you mentioned it, they had one keyword, yeah. fanatical, fanatical support. Fanatical support, yeah. And it became the trademark. And because we said like uh, OpenStack and everything, and, uh, and I remember OpenStack on-prem was like four racks of service just for the yeah. management thing in order to have one rack of service for the workloads. People still dug into it because by then Rackspace was cool. Yeah. I'm not saying it's uncool now, but it's it's yeah. people buy from people for something they believe in. And yes. um oh, we drank I mean, the Kool-Aid. It. We were there. We were there. We drank the Kool-Aid. Yes. And it's and it's I, I don't know. My wife likes Instagram. She has all of these people she follows for stuff to wear. I just go and buy whatever a typical yeah. same blue gray jumper every year after year. Yeah, but the point I'm trying to make is in a not just transforming the company, but in a also transforming industry that we exist in. We have to um, 
change our language. So don't learn our website by heart. There's going to be new content soon. Um, and then it's it's us leading the change or going with the change. It depends on how you look at it for uh, different things. We may lead it for others. We may follow it. But the picture I'm always drawing is this whole industry is like the Pacific Ocean. And just because I'm sitting on the beach in, let's say, California, I'm not occupying anyone else's space in Australia or anywhere else on the Pacific Ocean. It's big enough. Um, the one thing we should avoid, and pardon that figure of speech, is that we pollute it mm -hmm. so that it becomes unusable. But it's 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 so big. And you had a second part to your question, like what sets us apart from the other. So our products are more on-premise, self-installed, self-managed at the moment. And pretty soon we'll be releasing a new feature update to a fully managed cloud version. But the one thing we fundamentally believe in is... We want to give customers choice. How you want to run it, where you want to run it, it's not my decision. Hmm. I've seen so many clients in my past who for the same reasons have taken opposite decisions. I go private yeah. cloud, I go public cloud. And you know what? Go and knock yourself out. I'll give you a piece of Doesn't software matter. that runs yeah. anyway. Yeah. I think the English say horses for courses. Um, so it's my belief that I'm not God, Jesus, anything of that type where I have to say, you have to use public cloud, otherwise you have sin. No, yeah. go knock yourself out and start developing in public cloud and I'll give you something that's equal in private cloud so you can run it afterwards. Okay. So we have these stages of technology adoption. And that was one thing I wanted to come back to. Sorry for sure. going on here. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. I think there was some research, the five stages of technology adoption, pretty old 60s, 70s type thing, but it talks about five phases. And I think we can see ourselves having completed the first phase in the second phase now going from open source to open core. And some other people call it crossing the chasm. Because yep. when you start from a small sort of company with a bit of a hobbyist, altruistic approach into becoming an evil a commercial company. Yeah. Um, and evil in inverted commas, but I'm it's about what... having... To... <laughs> Well, I have to pay my staff salary and, and obviously also the company who invested in us um, by buying the full thing exactly. um, wants some return on investment. So let's be realistic. Even if it's open source, there's some kind of commercial interest in it. Well, okay, mm -hmm. well think, uh, on that note, where do you see stream processing, streaming analytics going in the next five years? Like where, where do you, what are the trends that are, that are telling you it's going to a certain direction. So what I'm I'm seeing in, in, in smaller companies who want to be cool, they have to do it because it enables their business doing real-time or near real-time decision-making. It activates their capabilities, basically. It activates the capabilities. And smaller companies are a bit more innovative sometimes because they don't have that legacy or that mm -hmm. uh, luggage behind them. However, the money is often very made with the big ones. Um, and picking example, banks, for example. Here in Europe, we have this real-time money transfer thing now. Because the old traditional banks, it took them 24, 48 hours to transfer money from one account to another. But because of EU directives, it had to happen in real time. So some banks use Apache Flink or, or, or our version of it to enable that because you need to have not just a transaction, but there's security, checking, 
a lot of things that need to happen with that data before it, it can actually transact. And stuff like that either comes from directives from above or comes from smaller companies below. And what I'm seeing is a lot of big companies are, are kind of stuck in the 80s or 90s in their um, data warehousing business intelligence approach where I'm, I'm looking Many at yesterday's data, I get yes. a report, and I as a human take a decision. And then you think about 99% of those you can probably automate with some form of, let me call it artificial intelligence, because it is the term we use right now. Um, whether it's intelligent or not, that's another subject for a well, philosophy that's... podcast. But it's it has to go that way where we offload things to machines, if we like it or not, to make decisions. Yeah. And I think that's where stream processing comes in, because it, because it's enabling that. Well, I completely agree. I, I think in my, as a consultant, you know, speaking to hundreds of different companies a year, I've identified that the largest, most mature, most profitable companies are the ones who are suffering from using legacy, outdated, archaic technologies the most. They're, they're the ones who like, somewhere in, in a conversation, somebody's talking about we're talking about queries and building out segmentation models to be able to run real-time processing for personalization or something. And then the word Excel comes up and I'm sitting there thinking, wait, hold on, go, go back to what you said. Did you just say Excel? And they're like, oh yeah. So we take this and we, we, we download it and we put it into an Excel spreadsheet and then we email the spreadsheet over to somebody. And I'm sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh! Why? Why are you but downloading? That's the way we've always done things around here. We've always done it this way, you know. Or no, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's funny, and it's the most mature companies. It's the most profitable companies with the best stock, and it's scary how archaic they are. But it's people like security, safety, conservatism, call it whatever you want, but <laughs> stability. And I think that's why these companies have these share prices because they have customers more old-fashioned than they are buying from them. Hence it works. And they don't understand it, so they like the way things used to be. Yeah. So Samir and I, we, we know what you're talking about. Even a company you've worked for, Samir, I remember talking <laughs> to them saying, why are you doing it this way? Oh, we've always done it this way. Good job. And I secretly give them a thumbs up and I'm dying inside, you know. Because we can. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I think what what was Alex was saying exactly to your point, Jeremy. Right, I think I think the what Excel, um, and I don't want to go too much into the rattle, but what it offers is that I can trust it. Right, it's on my computer. I can open it. I see the data. It's me who can touch it, and I I feel that security. So going back to the idea of like I was reading some of the details of their verit on the security side and the fraud prevention side. Uh, mm -hmm. What kind of use cases do you typically come up with, with Alex or with one of the clients? Like, you know, let's talk about one of the most unusual use cases you came across and where Verica was used in that situation. Unusual use case. Uh, it was actually one where a customer had batched data that they wanted to stream process for reporting purposes. Um, it's 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 kind of like, I don't know, um, Peeling an avocado in order to shrink wrap it. 
so that he can sell it in a more convenient way. That's just odd. I mean, the whole thing comes with a skin around it that protects it, so you don't need to put one. So, <laughs> so it's 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 like when you don't get what stream processing is, then you start just putting it in because some C level asks you to do some hip cool thing. Um, and you mentioned digitization, digital transformation earlier. I think it's a lot in there where in order to make stream processing work and get you, pardon my expression here, the most bang for your buck is you rethink things and go back to start to see how you can really make use of it. Otherwise, it's 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 just another cool thing. But you mentioned security things, fraud detection. Yeah, I, I think that is an almost overstated use case. Everyone is using that one. You swipe your credit card, things are checked, how it's done, et cetera. Yeah. I can tell you another one. Uh, they're not a client of ours, but they talk about it publicly, Uber. You pop mm -hmm. out your mobile, you call one, it calculates the price. Small thing we noticed, I have a pretty expensive phone. My colleague had a pretty cheap phone. His ride was cheaper than mine to the same place. So always get a colleague with a cheap phone to call you an Uber. Um, but it's... Running on open source Apache Fleet, yeah. as far as I know. Um, and is, it's, that, is that a true use case that actually you call from a cheap phone and you get less price? Well, it, it, it happened to our office manager and me standing next to each other going to a Smear department on the, store. Now on his computer is going to be ordering the cheapest phone possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I use, I use it a lot you know, when I'm traveling for business. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, it's a good use case. I'm not saying it's 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 representative, and certainly, please, Uber people no, no, don't sue me or or, or 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 hate me or shoot me when you see me in a couple of weeks. But um, <laughs> it's he's going to try it. Don't worry, he's going to try. It's it. rumored to be the case for many, many, many companies that they have um, different pricing based on devices or geographies. I think purchasing power is the exactly. Plane tickets. It's purchasing yeah, location, power. geography that I have heard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. But that's very interesting though. But plane tickets, I mean, it's a finite number of seats, and obviously the last ten are more expensive than the first ten. It's yeah. just something we've come to accept. Yeah. Exactly. Um but it's yeah, security use cases. Uh, we have a few where um I don't know your login behavior. Is your credit card and your IP matching to what you're booking? Da 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 da. Um, let's say you're booking hotel rooms. I've seen such things. IoT, where monitoring your um, plant's behavior. Oops, I'm running low on paint for my next car. Maybe I get some red paint uh, delivered to that um, place, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just the overall improvement of things. Where in the past with batch processing, maybe we've done it overnight. Yeah, let me look at what I need to order for tomorrow. Now into more of an automated thing. And we touched on McDonald's earlier. Mm -hmm. If they run low on fries, get some more fries in from somewhere. And maybe have the fridge order it automatically. That logic needs to be implemented somewhere. I agree. And that I agree. is, I guess, the app logic that you can run on things like Apache Flink. Well, let's go back into one more question about kind of the community and open source and stuff. Mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll kind of follow up with one final question, one or two final questions. But so, you know, we talked about this, Samir and I were talking about this earlier. We mentioned you, was like, what's the balance between innovation and really that contribution uh, to the open source community of Apache Flink? 
you know, um, you know, with commercial interests, you have the goals of your company and Alibaba group and all that stuff. So how do you really balance that innovation versus a contribution? Mm. I think I gave part of the answer with these five stages of, of technology adoption. So when you are putting out an open source framework and you want it to stay, the people who founded the company, um, I think, didn't do much market research because uh, whatever they would have gotten from the market would have been like, uh, I don't know what you're doing. So they had a vision. They've just implemented it. They put it out there. And in that case, I guess you put out a lot of features which people may not need or may not use, but others would love. It's part of in innovation. You cannot ask anyone how cool your product is until they've really tested it. I mean, when I, I got my first iPhone, I was like, what? apps who's going to use it now it's all i'm using on that bloody device mm -hmm. so in that phase you cannot really ask too many people you just have to do it then as we matured and as apache flink matured and as more companies get involved into it so it's not just us or alibaba it's vmware apple cloudera confluent yeah plenty of others participating in it uh, linkedin for example um it becomes cool, hip, and you want to be part of it. Still, you put features into the open source thing. Then customers come to you and say, hey, I would need an enterprise feature. I would need maybe some support. How can we do encryption? Things that the people doing the open source bit maybe haven't looked at or weren't important for the sake of the product, but are important for the sake of operating it or securing it. Disaster recovery. Not really what a developer thinks about, but what a CFO, CTO, whatever may think about. Hmm. So that's where you see open source probably become a bit more hybrid, let me call it that way. Um, and you start wrapping enterprise features around it. And then obviously at some point, you see these 10x messages. I'm 10 times faster than, I'm five times more, and I'm fully compatible, la, 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 la. And when you have these things coming, then it's, say I have 10 features, I put five in open source, because it's cool. Mm -hmm. And the other five I keep to myself. And I think everyone does it. It's uh, not just us. Um, to have a compelling commercial offer. And mm -hmm. often it might be user experience, ease of use. And, and you just say, yep, it's fundamentally the open source thing. But let me change a few things to tweak it for the people who spend money. Like so Samir, you want to? Yeah, that, that's do a this? very interesting point. I, no, I, yeah, I was just reflecting on the response that Alex provided on that question. Like, I'm, you know, kind of trying to think the going back to again the Rackspace days when we launched the Open Stack, uh, and it, it became very popular when it was launched. But I, you know, reflecting to what Alex was saying, the five stages of technology and how you go from open stage is the first step in the process, right? O open source, and then you go to uh, hybridizing it and privatizing it and commercializing it and all of those steps. So it's kind of interesting where uh, he really took that uh, five stages to heart and they're very clear and where the journey is, where very clear they started with this Apache Flink open source and now you, you're taking it to based on needs of the customer versus what is table stake from a technology standpoint. I, I really like that, uh, that approach. And because you mentioned OpenStack, we all know what uh, Rackspace did at some point. Um, and I remember at that 
time, 2010, 11, 12, I, I was working with VMware for VMware later, and and I was in that era of the hypervisor war. VMware mm. versus Hyper-V versus KVM versus whatever. And who won the cloud provider? It's VHS, Betamax, Video 2000, as video things. Who won Netflix? Things get changed all the time. So I'm not saying do not start with Apache Flink because something else may win, mm -hmm. but uh, the point I'm trying to make is the whole world around us is evolving. Mm -hmm. and Evolving, yeah. Something comes up. Certain things were phenomenal about OpenStack, others weren't. Take the best, continue, and I think we'll do the same. And I think for us as a company, because we talked about innovation in one of your questions, it's about seeing these movements and, and adapting to it so that we can continue to innovate. And yes, we keep investing in Flink, but in all honesty, there are other open source projects I like a lot, lot at the moment. And I think we have to focus on those, bring them back into the product eventually to keep innovating. Mm -hmm. Because Flink still will have a lot of in innovation, but in all honesty, Flink is very mature now. And it's not ending, it's not dying, there will be Flink to 0, 0.0, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's, it's going to follow a different market dynamic around us. Because according to Gartner, it's about an 800 billion US dollars market, mainly in US and Europe, um, plus obviously parts of China. Um, there's a lot of money to be made in that area. And, and, and um, who doesn't want to be the next CEO of a $100 million company? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're far, far yeah. away from it, yeah. but yeah. Uh, well, Gartner but, um, knows best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, I wouldn't yeah, mind but... having that against my title, and then we speak again in a couple of years, and you introduce <laughs> me as that, and not the transformational yeah. bullshit bingo player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the I like the vision, and I like the approach, right? Because I think how do you pair in not one but several open source technologies? together to continue to meet the evolving need of the customer. That's, that's kind of the main message here. So one last question. I know we were on top of time, so we want to respect both your time as well. Uh, what can you share with our listeners that you have never shared on any other podcast before? And, and mm. I'll put, if you can't come up with something crazy, maybe share some advice too. You know what I mean? Because I, I think a lot of people come up with some crazy stuff, but if you if you want to have a route for this, a lot of it is if you're well, speaking to somebody young or somebody, give them advice. Like just Well, I mentioned it earlier, like my scuba diving thing. So I was 27 when I did it. Um, and the crazy bit was, because we also touched on my parents um, lining me up for an internship, mm -hmm. My parents were so embarrassed by it that they told everyone I'm doing an internship at a bank in Sydney, in Australia. So my advice and answering part of that secret thing is care less about what others think sometimes. Love care that. about what is best for you. Yeah. Follow your feelings. At yeah, that day it. and age and point, I probably wouldn't have been able to put it in words. 
But I needed the experience of breaking free, doing something I felt I wanted to do. Yeah. And luckily enough, was financially able to do it because um, it's the big yeah. but for many people. But if you have that ability, do it. Do something crazy, see what happens, and don't care too much about the others all the time. Care about yourself because ultimately you have to live the next 50 years of your professional career with you. Yeah. Every it's, morning you wake up and, and you look in the mirror, it's you. What a concept. <laughs> and then you should be happy with yourself and everything else will probably fall into place. Yeah. And then it becomes a matter of, because you touched on mentors and all of these uh, topics, finding a few people around you. Um, don't always believe everything, but but take it in and reflect it. And then it becomes a game of being at the right place at the right time. Because I'll tell you the one secret, secret, I would not be MD of this company if I wouldn't have been here. I started in sales and partner management. Then I became MD. So sometimes take a step back in your career potentially, if, if it's a place you believe in, if, if you believe in, in the whole thing going forward. It doesn't mean pay cut or anything because I'm not really making more now as I did in sales because often salespeople make more than managing directors. But it's it's about take a risk and know where you kind of want to go and then things will just happen typically. At least that was for me in the last 20 years, my I experience. Love I love it. I love it. I think it's That's great, great advice and great, uh, yeah, great, great. Uh, yeah, and, and a and great so... uh, response from... Uh, Sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. No, I was going to say, I mean, this has been fantastic. And I think this is really, this is really the end of our show. And, you know, I think this is a great way to cap it off. Um, we always want to make sure, because we have young listeners who are trying to figure out their path. And so I think this is a great advice to give them. Um, Hopefully. I agree. Very good. Yes. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you again, Alex. It's been great. And like I said, um, if you got something big coming up or if you want to come back and something crazy has changed and you decided to go move to Sri Lanka and, and you know, become a yoga instructor or something. <laughs> or do well, something I think crazy, the biggest thing, yeah, the biggest thing we have coming up is a thing called Flink Forward. It's an event okay. where all the Flink people can meet. So people, oh, please cool. look up the website, Google it, flink-forward.org. Okay. Um, it's for the community. It's sponsored by us. Um, and crazy things. I'm married. I have two kids. It's it's limiting my options. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no more yoga. <laughs> yoga instructor in Sri Lanka is not going to happen anytime soon. So I get it. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, um, Samir. Always good to see you too. And then uh, you know, Alex. This Thanks for having me. And. Um, Thank you. Please uh, keep the recommendations coming. We always have some amazing guests that just, you know, show up on the show. And and then we, we've been proud to be doing this for over seven years. So um, thank you guys again. And we'll see you later. Thank you. Thank you for joining Analytics 